0: Okay. Let's see if I remember how to do this, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
1: Recording in progress.
0: Welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. And I'm sorry I don't
2: have the cowbell (laughs) for the job (laughs)
0: there. Damn. Uh, You had one job, Rob. Oh, I know. Jeez. Jeez. Thanks for my, that's a great triumphant return. Insert cowbell Uh, there. Sure. Uh, (laughs) All right. So, this is, of course, the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Hey, my name is Rob Minot. And joining me today, uh, the one, the only, Mr. Ryan Fleury. The man without a cowbell. I wasn't going to say it, but that's all right. (laughs) Uh, I I will will allow you to (laughs) self-incriminate. Also here, uh, Mr. Steve Barkley. That would be me. And uh i i don't know you bringing up the rear no i don't want to say that (laughs)
1: oh i I don't
0: even know what that means (laughs) i wouldn't even know but i'm not even going to say that it's and also of course joining us is liz malone
1: and bringing up the rear and without a cowbell so there you go
0: exactly it's it's going to be one of those days i can tell
2: already (laughs) it's all right makes the show better
0: It's good to be back. Uh, I have to say, um, you guys did a fine job without me—not too fine, but fine enough.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We wanted to make sure we hit the sweet spot for you there.
0: Yeah, that's—I was appreciated. You know, I I learned a lot about myself in editing that show. I learned that I'm a little bit of an egomaniac, and I really don't like editing a show that I'm not on. So, (laughs) didn't like it at all. But but you guys did a good job. I do have to say, so, and I appreciated the well wishes. Uh, anyways, um, before we go too far down any sort of given rabbit hole, hey, Ryan. Yes, Rob. Uh, what uh, What are we doing today? Who are we talking to?
2: Today, we are speaking with the Vice President of Software and oh. Corporate Business Development from Vispero, the one, the only, Matt Ater. And
4: do I have to have a cowbell? I'm sorry if I missed. No, no one, we'll insert applause no later. We'll give, you, we'll give you a signature. <laughs> I, I, could have, I could have brought my own sound effects if you want me to play one. I mean, you, you just. You the Jaws sound me. effect? I, I, I have this. I mean, let's see. It's close. I don't know if you can hear the little Jaws in the background, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. Awesome. We're we'll to steal that. I'll, 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 I mean, I'm sure it's pirated somewhere, so it's all good. But thank you.
2: Yeah, it's really, really great to have you on, Matt. There's been a few news announcements over the past year that I've wanted to reach out to someone from Vespero to bring on to talk about, because they're pretty big items. And as a member of the blind community myself, they're not really items I hear a lot of people talking about. So before we get to that though, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your background in, in the industry?
4: Sure. Thanks. Um, so I've been doing the industry since about 94. I started out in training people who are blind to low vision, being blind and low uh, low vision myself, traveling around the United States, training people in federal agencies on how to use. At that time, it wasn't you know, uh, Windows or anything like that. It was DOS and scan and read devices and CCTVs, Braille displays, whatever it was and eventually um i made my way to the lighthouse for the blind in dc ran a program there for about 5 years worked for humanware for about a year and a half doing federal sales and then i um ran a program for social security administration um to support their blind and dis- uh, well all disabled employees and so that was you know a program where we deployed computers and trainers and installers and made sure all their technology worked correctly and things of that nature and then i went to um, It's been about three years in mainstream technology. um, And I really enjoyed that because it gave me a chance to understand enterprise level technology where, you know, up to that point, you know, assistive technology isn't always considered to be an enterprise product. It's considered to be an HR solution, you know, a a reasonable accommodation. And so I enjoyed the three years doing that and then ended up in biz dev um, um, and then joined uh, Freedom Scientific in twenty. 14 to start their consulting practice, which eventually became when we acquired um, uh, previously known as the Passiella Group and now known as GPGI. So uh, ran that for a few years and then took on corporate business development. And then the pandemic hit, which, you know, it just, if anybody <laughs> hasn't figured out that happened and uh, they asked me to take on software. So now I'm running uh, software and business development. Wow. Busy guy
2: and doing stuff on Clubhouse. <laughs> I, and, and
4: well, it's, it's, it's connecting to customers that I enjoy the most. If you think about anything, it's like, you know, if we're not back when I was hired at freedom Scientific, this is actually a funny story. I was, I, I live outside of Washington DC and somebody says, well, why aren't you moving to Florida and St. Pete? And I said, well, the customers aren't there. And if I did that, I would just talk to everybody in the company and not the customer. And that was, you know, if I'm going to run a consulting practice, it didn't make sense. And, you know, after what we've been through the last two years, it didn't make any sense because everybody's working from home and remote or whatever, so. Right.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I was I was torn on actually which news items I wanted to touch on first. But I think, to me, the really big one that I wanna talk about is the Jaws for kiosks because that seemed to get a little bit of traction last fall when you guys announced your partnership with McDonald's restaurants. I watched a video earlier today that said Jaws for kiosks has been deployed on over ten thousand kiosks in North America. So, can you tell us a little bit about what that is?
4: Yeah, so it's basically stripping down Jaws to a um, um, a basically a web browser product only or an application product only, and you know reducing its footprint to fit just for. Whatever that application needs are, and then creating a, a we created a um, a couple other areas. One is is the ability for it to listen for a headphone jack insertion, and then um, also remove the heads- headphone jacks. We'd unload the software quickly, um, and then finally, that's a lot of scripting. You know, there's depending on the application and stuff, and so we've made a lot of changes to JAWS over the last year to support that that you wouldn't see in a, a, you know, on your home computer, but is important for simplified use cases because you don't have a computer keyboard and you may have an input device and you may have a left, right, up, down arrow keys, and you may have a a submit button and you may want to use the touch screen. You can have all of those facts, but you know, another example of things we had to change was that JAWS is, um, touchscreen interface was not designed like the iPhone. Um, it was designed in another way and and, and and now I'd love to change it, but it takes time and, and resources to do it. But when we redid it for kiosks, we simplified it to be more like the iPhone. So it's swipe right, you go forward to the next you know tab stop. Um, swipe left, you go back to the previous tab stop, just like you would with an iOS device. and then up goes to the previous heading and down goes to the next heading. And then we work with customers to create those experiences inside their applications so that when you do plug in your headphones, you get a very simple user experience. And you look at something like McDonald's as an example. And when we did that 10,000, it was pre McDonald's, you know, you mm-hmm. now load up McDonald's. It's going to, it's going to blow that number out the water <laughs> um, as well as other, other since that um, original video was done, but the, um, when you plug in your headphones, you know, it welcomes you to McDonald's. It tells you how to use the the experience, very similar to like an ATM. And for any of us who've had to carry around our 3.5 millimeter headphone jacks forever because of ATMs, we know that, you know, we probably will still carry them tomorrow, assuming we use cash. Um, that's always a laughter to think about today. That's right. Um, but, you know, you walk to a McDonald's, you plug it in, you get a you get a message saying, this is how you use it. You can interrupt it at any point, just like you can with a computer and start using it. And it walks you through, it gives you counts on items. And that's something that like a lot of kiosks weren't doing is, you know, there's 46 sandwiches to choose from. You should know you're on one of 46. And then you say, boy, I should have filtered. And you go back and choose chicken. And now it's, you know, hmm. one of 19 instead of 46, you know? And so those are the kinds of things. I think that the key is that we can make a product, but the end game is the the consulting that tpgi brings to the table to help a customer create a usable experience is the most critical path you know jaws is the easy part plugging the software and it's it's making a good user experience is more important and so i've i'm really proud of what the team has done for for what they've done with mcdonald's
2: it has to be pretty difficult because they're there are a multitude of manufacturers of these keypads and, and kiosks. So are there particular companies
4: you guys are working with? Are they easy to adapt to? So it's less about there's there's one hardware device company called Storm um, out of the UK who makes some pretty good keypads with headphone jacks that are very easy to use. There was a previous one um, that was done at the Trace Center. And uh, it was Wisconsin at the time, now the University of Maryland, um, and that's uh, branched off. But the but storm is is the keypads today that that are most likely to be deployed. You'll see them in airports. You'll see them all over the place. And the most complicated is the application. Um, And so the critical path is working with the people to make sure that they're tagging it correctly. And a lot of people say, well, it has to be WCAG compliant. Oh, yeah, of course. But we don't need access to everything. We need access to the things that are interacting. So, you know, we don't want to drop down to choose how many quantity you want. You want a plus and a minus because that's a simple user interface. You hit plus, it goes up and it says quantity changed to two. You hit minus, goes down. If it's a drop down, now you have to change the way the keyboard interacts and you have to teach the user a different method for up and down. And the one thing we learned about Kiosks is that we have to go into it, understand that not all users are computer users. Right. And if you walk into, uh, I walked into a telecom place and watched users use a kiosk once, and and the people who were paying their bills with cash doesn't make sense to me, but they went to the the, the telecom place where they have their phone and they go in and they paid in cash. And they brought five dollar bills to pay their bill. And their bill was a hundred bucks. And so they had 25s and they inserted one at a time. Now, I don't get it. I like auto pay. Okay. I just (laughs) want it out of my account and be done with it. But we gotta remember that there are people who are not, you know, they're not really comfortable with, you know, credit cards taking money, you know, each month and auto pays and and they're afraid of the internet and all of those things. And you know, so Just like that, you know, McDonald's user experience was the most critical path so that, you know, we didn't also, we didn't want to change the user experience for a blind person. They should have the same user experience because if somebody comes along and helps them, it's too confusing if it's like a text only version. Right. You know.
2: The video also talks about, like you previously mentioned, airports and banks and uh, there was voting machines or I think voter registration. Yep. Where where can people find out more information, you know, because that video did state North America and yet does it exist in Canada? Where can people find out who has these, these kiosks that are accessible?
4: Yeah. Today, um, today we don't have any deployed in Canada. We're working on some, um, courtroom technology for kiosks because you're going to find more and more where you have to check in at a courtroom. You got to, you know, DMVs in the US, I'm not sure what you guys call them there, that's the Department of Motor Vehicles in the US, um, you know, you, Canada is on the list for McDonald's to eventually get deployed. Um, and, you know, I think, it, you know, the the main thing is, you know, in the US, they tagged it for English and Spanish. Now we have to tag it for English and French Canadians. So there's, right. you know, those kinds of things that, um, you know, you have to do and plan for. And We've met with several um, Canadian organizations, and, and we hope that they have slightly different laws on their kiosk technologies that we can meet, which we're excited that we already have the technology built into it. And it's the way JAWS handles um, pronunciations and switches languages and capitalization. There's some real interesting rules in Canada around it. We have a person who's just responsible to. Um, focus on those standards for each, um, you know, region.
2: So if we have, well, I know we have, but for any of our listeners that are in the U S again, is there a, a
4: website? Uh, no, they can find out <laughs> That's where. Funny. Yeah. It, so the tough thing is, is that um, there's no publicized list um, from people in terms of where those are. You'll find them in airports. They're not ours right now. Um, but you will find kiosks in all airports, you know, in, um, both us and Canada that are supposed to be accessible. I went into one the other day, plugged in my headphones and nothing happened. <laughs> and I took a picture of it and I sent it to my person. And I said, a keypad doesn't make it accessible. <laughs> and she wrote back and she says, can we make that t-shirt out of that? You know, it's, it and it, it, it's, it's sad because like there are, there's a concept that like In the us we call it ada i'm not sure in canada what your term is for the equivalent um but in the us you know people think of physical accessibility is what they have to accomplish and not the application itself and the benefit that you know the us had was that we forced in airports to make sure that all kiosks met a um, user experience that you were able to complete a workflow and it wasn't about WCAG specifically it was more about the workflow. Could you complete the tasks that you had to complete from beginning to end? Now, unfortunately, I plugged in my headphones to one that didn't even have a screen reader on it. So which made me smile, of course, you know, because then I get to say hmm.
2: business opportunity, right? So what we need is some crowdsourcing. Anybody who finds one, start tagging them and yeah, sharing them. We need a we need a, a general
4: hub. Yeah. And I I think over time, I mean, you know, keep in mind that like a McDonald's has over 15,000 stores Mm -hmm. in North America, that includes Canada and US. And so it takes a while to roll them out. I think they're at 1500 so far in a year or six months. So it's not an, you know, we're talking about, you know, engineers have to go in and open them up and put in a keypad or they have to ship new hardware. It's, you know, it's not a, an overnight process for sure. Sure
1: the uh, this whole concept of rolling this out in McDonald's using that as an example, who is sort of taking ownership on making sure that the employees have an understanding of the technology and how it can be used because sometimes I've gone to even government agencies that are supposed to be ADA compliant and no one knows which which one has accessibility or 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 whatnot or which computer I'm allowed to use for this because there's just no information that's being disseminated so just trying to get an idea so when I I may and I think that this is fantastic but unless someone takes a little bit of ownership on how the information and the education and the availability is rolled out then it it sort of loses a lot of the benefit that it's supposed to be providing to the community
4: yeah and i i think it's um there's always a gap in this because of um you know you go into some places and it's not always the same people who were there the day before right um there could be turnover it's you know the type of businesses that you know or and who's responsible at that place to do it and it, you know, it's kind of like the same problem that somebody mentioned to me the other day is, was, you know, how do you find a bathroom? You don't feel every wall until you find a Braille sign, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, some people do maybe, maybe not, maybe use your cane, you find the opening and then you look for the sign, but there's a lot of walls between you and the gate at an airport, you know, and lots of other things. So I think it's similar challenge that we would have with anything. It's like, I, I couldn't find the family restroom, In most airports without some level of assistance, Um, you know, I would use IRA and other things to do that. I I don't know the good answer on that. I think the smaller um, I've been to businesses that have accessible technology and they have the same problem about how, you know, is someone trained there to support? I mean, you go to libraries and libraries, some of them have the quote unquote ADA station where they have, you know, a computer set up with a screen reader and a um, uh, CCTV and I, I'm now I sound old that just proved my age <laughs> a CCTV a video magnifier is the new politically correct term uh, scan and read device and you know sometimes it's locked up you know and and nobody knows where it is mm. and knows how to use it so I think we do have uh, not specifically McDonald's but I think overall as a um uh I wouldn't call it an industry, but a challenge for people with disabilities to find those features that exist within organizations. And I do think that there was a there was a travel company or travel uh, travel summit um, recently that was about accessibility of travel, and they're trying to record all the accessible travel locations, you know, and the and the supporting travel solutions. Um, for people with disabilities. Well, that's a lot of work to collect all that and then do you keep it up to date, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a, I, I think your your point is well taken. It's challenging to figure out how to communicate and share all that knowledge. Well, it's it's similar to
2: GPS, right? You know, it's that last 10 feet, you know, trying to find the door to the building you're looking for, or like you mentioned, trying to find a washroom, um, indoor mapping is, is slowly becoming a, a real thing. It's no different than finding a kiosk that's going to be accessible, right? Without aids like Be My Eyes, IRA, or even just asking for help. You know, we're not quite there yet where we can just walk in with an app and bing, there's your kiosk.
4: Yeah, and I think that would be the great thing. I I would like to see beacons put into them, Hmm. but then people have to know to use beacon technology when you enter to see if it's there. So, but it's it's not... technology-wise, it wouldn't be hard to put a beacon inside the keypad to let you know that it's there. For sure. Right. I, you're going to see more deployed. And as they do, you'll know, find ways to communicate with you guys so, so you can share, um, you know, the other businesses that it gets deployed to. But it's, you know, it's in like, um, it's in all of the um, Carnival brand cruise ships, which brands, you know, brand Carnival has, you Hall uh, in America. Um, trying to think of the other brands. Uh, Princess Cruise Line, and then there's right. one more. And so there's those are set up in like internet cafes for people to use, so that when they go on the ship, they can still use them. And I actually used one on a Hall in America ship on my way from Boston to Montreal. So um, I've seen that technology deployed. So you'll see more and more. And and that's more of like a library based computer, right? Than it is a mm-hmm. kiosk but similar concept in terms of it's a lockdown environment. Right.
0: So, I I mean, it must actually in a way be a a kind of an exciting time because, you know, we're seeing more and more of these self-serve kiosks everywhere. I mean, they're kind of sort of becoming ubiquitous. And I really feel like this technology is really sort of um, struggling to, to catch up in terms of numbers. But so, so I'm just kind of curious, you know, McDonald's sort of jumped on board. Is there, is there a fairly strong business case that, that you present to, to companies to say, look, if, if you make your kiosks accessible, you know, you're going to see, you know, a, a, a significant um, return on that investment. Is that pretty much a no brainer or do you just have people coming to you?
4: Um, how does that process work? So I think there's when you think about the um, attract, uh, giving the customer a good experience, um, you're going to go into some places where there is no way to order without a kiosk. And so, you know, there's high risk there if you don't provide that access. The next part of that is that you give users a full use of their experience. So I'll give an example. If I walked up to a counter at a place and they said, so what's on your menu? You know, that menu could be big and it could take a long time, but wouldn't I rather go through that menu myself and pick what I want at the same time, wouldn't I like to hear prices and calories? Maybe not. Um, If you limit that to going to a counter, you've restricted the user or the the customer's experience. Um, I I also like the fact that I can browse at it at my own pace. Um, And then if we look at the next part of the business is that, the, part of the reason they use kiosks is one, you know, bad or good. It's the reduce of, of um, staff challenges and things of that nature. Secondly, it's the upsellability that they have at a kiosk. You know, they see you ate this. Do you still want this? You know, at some point, you know, you you log in with a ro- loyalty card and it'll say, hey, you had this last time. Wouldn't you like this again this time? There's a lot of benefits in right. over time for a business to be able to do that to make the user experience better.
0: So it sounds like the business case really just it takes care of itself almost.
4: Yeah, I think there's always the challenge of um, no different than website accessibility. I think there's always the challenge of convincing somebody that blind people exist. Sure. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry to say that, but <laughs> I, in the in the 90s, I it, if anybody remembers the talking sign technology, um, uh, there was a, a company in San Francisco called Talking Signs and Telesensory, which is no longer around, had created a competitive product called Marco like Marco Polo. Polo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got the joke. And I remember going to a shopping mall and saying, you know, it'd be great to put these in. And they're like, well, blind people don't shop. I mean, that was their <laughs> response, right? I went to a baseball stadium and said, blind people don't come to baseball games. Like, really? You know, I'm not going to come to this stadium again. So, you know, but the, there's challenges always um convincing people that there's a benefit until they see others doing it. And I think that McDonald's, um is a great example for others you know they're, they're sure. the largest brand of quick serve restaurants worldwide why not
1: well you don't hear that phrase very often <laughs> i'm sorry
4: yeah well i mean they're, they're just huge like I, in comparison
1: no i get it believe me i yeah. i so i it's nice to see them taking um uh a, 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 because they certainly don't lead the pack in nutrition so to, to lead it in you know accessibility is certainly um I'm very happy to you know give them a nice pat on the back for that uh, I guess I, it, the thing that just always worries me is that you, you know you put the stuff out there and when you think about maybe who would be a, more of a typical McDonald's customer on a more regular basis I mean we'd like to think it's oh it's not always you know the soccer mom bringing her you know th- the three kids and all their friends into McDonald's I mean you also have a they have a huge customer base of lower income uh customers and not all people in the blind community you know are living you know very comfortably and you know there are some who are in the in the poverty under below the poverty level and so i just always try to be very mindful of those people who yeah they don't have the they may not have the credit cards and yeah they do have to pay their utility bills and cash um and they will rely on this kind of technology but if there's no one there to show them because maybe they don't have an iphone and they haven't had the the privilege to get to use a lot of you know your wonderful software and technology sure so is will there be somebody who's going to be able to help them that's well, they should always be. My i
4: mean yeah i mean i i think there should be and i didn't mean to cut you off i think there no, should okay. be they, they they get videos training i don't know the refresher on that but i mean i've seen the videos that they provide to the stores and you know they're encouraging the use of it and so and i'm i'm going in april to the what they call mcdonald's worldwide in in orlando and there's 30, 30 people coming to and we'll have a setup for show them how to use it you know so hopefully those are the kinds of things that um, make a difference
1: yeah because well, they got to hold their feet to the fire too it's like it's great that they're doing this now let's you know keep it going let's make use out of it And so I'm rooting, believe me, I'm rooting for them. I I would love to see this succeed.
4: And that's why I use the example of the library. I've seen libraries spend, you know, ten thousand dollars on technology and walk in and everything was in the closet. Hmm. And that's a shame, right? Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, they got the CCTV and no one knows what and it's similar challenges of staffing. It just is.
0: Well, you know, and more and more uh, we're seeing like the larger corporations are the ones that are actually embracing some of this access- or this accessibility. And it's, you know, I think with the hope that the big corporations will do it and then this will trickle down to the smaller, smaller businesses until we do see this technology in place in a multitude of places, which is really where we want to get to.
2: Agreed. And that kind of leads us into the next topic. I wanted to touch on TPGI, if I got that correct. Yes. (laughs) Excellent. Um, Has a product or a service that I'm not familiar with. And most of our audience may not be, and I think it's mainly meant for organizations, agencies, you know, maybe the corporate enterprises. I'm not sure, but jaws connect. Can you tell us what that is? Sure. So,
4: um, One of the things that's so focused in web accessibility today is compliance, and we should continue to push for compliance, but compliance sometimes is a check of the box. It's, um, you must, you know, label this this way and label this that way and whatever it is, right? Hmm. And the, the challenge that we forget about a lot is the user. And one of the things that we've discovered is that the user doesn't always have a voice to communicate easily to um a website owner about the challenges they're faced with and the challenges may not always be accessibility they may be usability you can make something totally accessible and and check the box and somebody still can't buy your product because the you know one change or the way it, it you know laid out on the on the page or whatever it may be it may be confusing and um so what we did is is a partnership with Freedom Scientific and TPGI. We put a um, a plugin into JAWS so that customers, when they hit a page or people who browse a specific web page that's being monitored by TPGI's business for accessibility, the user will be notified that they can provide feedback using JAWS, and when they hit the link. Um, to provide the feedback, it provides the exact same form for all web pages, so that they have an easy way to submit um, feedback to the website. That then goes into the TPGI's um, platform called Arc, and notifies the website owner, and that website owner can request help from TPGI to you know figure out what the resolution may be, if any, um, or it could be something positive, and they don't need that. Um, but you know sometimes I think the gap between um, the user and the website owner is so great that people can't find the way to communicate. Additionally, that communication gets trapped into a, um, a big pool of feedback, but not specifically just straight up accessibility feedback. Um, and so it may get lost in the shuffle. So the intent is to provide Some level of crowdsourcing to um, blind people when they hit a website. Obviously, you know, it's somebody said, well, are they going to get 50,000, you know, feedback forms? Well, hopefully not. Hopefully they get, (laughs) you know, eight good ones over a year to help guide them towards solving a problem. If they get 50,000, they have other problems. Well, and it's interesting because I've seen numbers
2: where litigation in the US is going up year after year after year. You know, in the last year, two years, we've seen overlays popping up left, right, and center. So, you know, how do we, how do we address this whole digital landscape and and accessibility?
4: And I think it's getting the user more involved. Um, and you know, we. Obviously, we weren't going down the path of of doing an overlay here. We're, you know, strictly creating a method for the user, and there's no code on the web page. The because they monitor their website with TPGI, it notifies JAWS when it starts, and um, notifies JAWS of all the sites that are being monitored, so that the um, when the user goes to that domain, it would give them the option to feed. Um, provide feedback
2: so it's not necessarily necessarily an accessibility checker it doesn't point out any you know failing in the code at all it just kind of user feedback i had trouble accessing this part of the site
4: yeah yeah i mean it could have been a button's not labeled right or where it could have been that i couldn't figure out how to do it i was on an airline site and they you know i i i filled out the form and i wanted to do nothing but buy the the plane ticket So at this point, I'm looking for a submit button to continue, a pay, a buy, something, (laughs) something like that. And the text of the button label was something like, to continue down the path of making a purchase on this ticket, please click here. Well, that's not like what I'm thinking I should find. And it's a button. So I'm hitting the letter B and I hear the beginning of that. And I'm like, I must be in the wrong place. So I hit B again. I can't find a submit button. I can't buy a buy button. That's a... I mean, clearly a bad label. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they coded wrong. They pointed to the wrong stuff and they should fix that. And it probably would fail accessibility. But, you know, if you read the, if somebody ran a checker, they're going to say the button's labeled.
2: Well, and again, it comes back to your point of accessibility doesn't necessarily mean excellent usability, right?
4: Yeah. And checkers checkers um, check for standards. And so they're mm-hmm. going to say, okay, the button's labeled. So therefore it, passes. Right. And it doesn't pass with that label. I mean, n- no user would want to f- do that because they're, they're searching for buy yeah. purchase, something simple, don't overthink it. And so that feedback to them will help them hopefully fix that, you know, option. And I, it, we're trying to give a voice to people. I'm not sure, um, you know, how many times you're going to find this feature. It all depends on how many people are monitoring using the TPGI and their custom websites. You go to, there's thousands and thousands of websites. So there's a chance you never go to a site that's using this feature, right? You know, we hope that more and more customers buy into it. They don't get charged to turn on the feature. They get charged to monitor their website. So it's free to, to get the user feedback.
2: Yeah. And looking at the website, you know, there, there are some pricing tiers there that don't seem really unreasonable. So, you know, if, we can help get the word out and get more organizations maybe using this maybe we'll see some better experiences
4: yeah and, and you know companies who do monitoring can choose how often they monitor how often they scan and what they want to scan they don't need to scan an entire domain and 10,000 pages they got to pick and choose right. the relevant stuff you know you can get buried in in scans um And scans are only one part of the the method. But if we can get user feedback, I think we can improve the user experience, especially if you're hitting sites that are more, you know, and and we know what sites people are hitting. I mean, at a high level, we don't we don't look at a individual level. We look at a, you know, because we can't the way we do our telemetry data. But we have an idea that, you know, here's the top 10, 15 sites that blind people are hitting. And, you know, one's going to be barred. One's going to be, you know, Domino's. Google, and hopefully not Domino's, sorry, Domino's, if you're here listening. Um,
1: oh, no, you're not getting a kiosk there now. No,
4: well, there's not, there's, <laughs> it's not really a storefront, but, um, uh, but hopefully, you know, we get it, we have an idea, you know, Google Docs and those th- types of things that people are on quite a bit, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I think it's really making sure that the users can provide feedbacks, so whatever those you know, main websites that they're hitting are. Excellent. Well, a couple more
2: things I want to touch on. Definitely one I think we want to talk about for sure is CSUN is coming up shortly. What, if anything, can you share with us that may be displayed or that you're going to show or announce at CSUN this year? So, hmm,
4: announce is an interesting question. I have to (laughs) think about that one. Um, I think we'll have some demos of a new feature that I, can't announce yet because it's still in in alpha mode but we will have some new feature there that i think is going to be really helpful for screen reader users built into jaws so i'm really excited about that so i apologize that i can't drop the nugget on that but i'm really excited about it the um and that'll be in you know it's going to land in the april release not the february release that feature but we'll be able to show it at cson and that will go over the fusion as well yeah, they'll be in Fusion as well. Yeah. It will not be in Zoom Text, but it'll be in Fusion and JAWS because it's more of a screen the okay. the way JAWS collects screen reading data than than Zoom Text. Um, and the the other thing that's going to happen. See, we we season's changed a little bit this year. I mean, it changes every year now since COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the things that we'll have going on is the presentations start Tuesday instead of Wednesday this year. I think. And so we'll have presentations from Tuesday all the way through to Friday. I think there could be some of those are streamed. Um, CSON's still working out the arrangement on that. And those will be the ones that are streamed will not be in our room, but it'll be one room over from our presentation room. The rest will be in our presentation room. In our presentation room, we will have uh, the McDonald's kiosk for people to get, um, try it out and provide user feedback um additionally we will have set up a um, fully accessible escape room for people to try out (laughs) Uh, we did that in 2020 which was a blast but you know it was less people so it's probably not bad this year's theme will be a casino theme so it'll be a lot of fun for people to try that we did turn the the one um from 2020 we turned that virtual and so we do have that as a virtual that companies can reach out to us if they're interested in that it's just like escape, uh, accessible, escape room.com is the website mm. but it's the idea that you know if you've ever been to one um they're not accessible in 9 you know 99% of the time and you walk in and you you paid your 30 dollars and you're with a group of people and you sit down and you're like okay this is fun <laughs> um, <laughs> not um and it's almost like going to a um, a silent movie without audio description mm-hmm. You know it's like to, you know when you go to if you remember the the movie castaway yep and there's like a 30 minute window where there's no dialogue Maybe been 45 minutes and how much <laughs> okay. fun would that be without audio description today right. <laughs> um well the same thing here i mean i i think it's a good paid nap at a movie without audio description i'll pay the 15 bucks and take a two-hour nap any time of the week <laughs> well i'm not interested in that they're not the, at an escape room there's no comfortable seats once you get in the escape room so right. you know we we built this on the concepts of that you know we we're not making money on it. We're showing it off to get people engaged and talking about it. And can you encourage your um, local escape room to engage in those kinds of things? And you have ideas about how can you make the puzzles fully accessible um, for all disabilities? Mm-hmm. And so it'll be a lot of fun to show off the casino one. The, the previous one was like a spy theme. Um, and a lot of fun too so that will be there at csan um you know we have some new hardware you got this uh, the ruby 10 um, xlhd or not excuse me not xlhd the ruby 10 which has ocr and stuff built into it um, that's a tell uh, excuse me telesensory freedom scientific product i don't know that there's as much else on the hardware side and so it's really going to be more about some of the software features that we're adding here in uh, the february and april releases well, in talking about hardware, you know,
2: we've heard from many manufacturers about the whole supply chain issues. Has that hit Vespero Freedom Scientific when it comes to I think it hits all companies? And, yeah. Yeah.
4: It's um it's collaborative. It, you everybody. just never you never realize that, you know, like a chip no bigger than like one of those watch batteries is like <laughs> so valuable, right? <laughs> so yeah, I would say it it hits everybody. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know that there's one thing that did happen last year, which you know, for for Canadian users, I don't know if you guys know that you can go to optolec.com uh, or the the Canadian Optelec website. I'm not sure the exact website and domain. It's on optelec.ca. Thank you. And there's a place to purchase um, Jaws and ZoomText and Fusion at the home annual price right on that website now. So that'll take you to the Freedom Scientific store and allow you to purchase it. Whereas before you had to, if you wanted it at home, you had to buy the, the home license, which was the, you know, um, perpetual license, which was more expensive. And so the options there for people in Canada is, is changed to match the U S. Right.
2: So I've been a JAWS user since JAWS 3.2 and it was only recently I thought thought you said I was old (laughs) (laughs) sorry no no worries at all I was just having a little fun that's all right that's what we're here for and it was only recently and I know this is a relatively new I guess add-on but I came across in the jaws help menu the jaws support tool that will actually Run it, give you a basic diag—not even a diagnostic—basically scans your system for different apps, processes, Windows versions, Office, so on and so forth, that you can actually submit then to Freedom Scientific support to help troubleshooting. And I don't think that's a tool many people know much about. Um, can you tell us a little bit how that came about,
4: what it is, and you know how it works? So. Um... The first step is we don't want to encourage people just to go run it (laughs) and send it to us because then it will just get deleted in 30 days. The most critical thing is to send an email to support at freedomscientific.com or support at vispero.com to, you know, if you're doing it the phone or, or phone or email and support and, or the web form and submit, well, you know, your issues and get those looked at. And then if somebody says, Hey, I need more information about your computer, running the support tool. The benefit is that we don't have to ask, okay, what processes are running, which computer, you know, which, Mm -hmm. uh, how much RAM do you have? Some people don't know how to collect all that data. Um, If you asked, you know, windows, um, which version of um, windows you're using, you're going to get 19 point, this point, this point, this, and you're like, what is that? When it's version 10, um, Win 10, um, 20H2. Right Now, it doesn't show that on the screen unless you look in the right spot. So we're trying to shorten the distance of collecting that data for the user um, and speed it up. And then through that, you know, that data helps us analyze where some issues may be so that we can fix them more globally as well. I mean, an example of the one of the issues out there that's affecting a lot of people is um, Dell computers have this thing called wave max audio. And um, it turns out it has um, a memory leak and it doesn't affect somebody who listens to music because you may play 10, 15, 20 songs, whatever number in a day. But guess what? Every time you play music, it's sending a call to the audio driver. It plays that's only one call just playing one song. Well, guess what? A screen reader, every time you press a key, that's sending a call. Right. And so collecting the data to learn how that whole process works, that we realized what the issue was, allowed us to then take that information, sit down with people like Adele and say, it's it's not just us. If you if you used, you know, a different screen reader, you would have the same problem because. What's happening is that specific driver is leaking memory because of key presses. And it's not because you're pressing the key, but because the screen reader is starting and stopping that kind of data through the collection, through the support tools, allow us to figure that out. Um, and unfortunately it's not solved yet. We have workarounds for it, but it's not solved yet. Cause we got to get a third party to fix it. Once that gets fixed, you know, we'll feel good that that's done with because it's you know been a painful
2: thing for people. So is that, like I noticed today when I when I ran it, just out of curiosity's sake, mm-hmm. yeah, I can view it without actually sending an email to Vispero so I could actually have it from my own file. Yep. But is that like context sensitive? So all of a sudden my system crashed, I could come back up, if I get back up and running, run that tool
4: and it would diagnose anything or No, we uh, would we would probably have you do a computer dump um after you run into a problem. So one of the one of the benefits one of the keystrokes that's beneficial for somebody who's having a problem at the time they're having the problem is most of us with jaws know insert f4 to unload jaws mm-hmm. but if you add the windows key to that it will dump jaws and collect data and send it to us so and does it f- rest and it restarts it right so does it send it to you automatically if you do that then it's, it pops up a dialogue and says do you want to send this air report to okay scientific?" Right. But it also puts it in a place where the, the support tool would collect it. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And very similar to, you know, the telemetry data, we do spend a lot of time. We have to, we have to, um, you know, for privacy reasons, the support tool, we had to do a lot of work to make sure certain things weren't coming over Sure. because there's privacy information and things like that as well. Right. Well,
2: when in doubt, go to the options menu and hit reset to factory. <laughs> that
4: was new, too. It is. So that yep. was new, too. And I think um, it's a it's a nice one to have. There's also something called default mode, which most people don't know. You could have done it through the run dialog, but that's really takes a little work to figure out how to do that if you're not used to using the run dialog in Windows. But you can do an insert space followed by the letter Z, Z, and that will it doesn't restart jaws it just switches you to default mode and you can feel like you can see how's your computer running without your settings and so it'll slow down the speech and stuff and it's a toggle so that you press the key again and it'll switch back to your settings it allows you to kind of feel and see what it would be like just to make sure you don't have some weird setting that's causing the problem right no, that's great there's a lot of work
2: that's being done to the freedom scientific staple of software for sure you know voice assistants
4: and so on and so forth it, so has has anybody tried the um, the sound splitter feature in Jaws 2022? Yeah, I,
2: I, it's I'm still having a hard time getting used to because I've been having Jaws in both ears for you know 20 plus years now, right? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I, I've played with it. It's it's unique. It's neat. <laughs>
4: Well, I think it's. it's I'm pretty sure that's a
2: that's a female only feature though, because
3: you know, I I I don't think most guys can listen to more than one thing at a time.
4: (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny was is you know we probably should have come out at the beginning of the pandemic with that feature because it you know we're talking (laughs) on Zoom all day long, yeah, and it's hard to be you know hey multitasking, you know sighted people get to multitask all day, why can't we? Was the reason for it and. um, You know, there was also there's really high end headsets that do this. But the promise is that when I say high end, they're not really high end technical technology wise They're high end cost. Mm. The promise is that you have to, um, uh, you know, you have to buy these fancy headsets for it. And so we just wanted to make it easier for people in places like call centers and things like that. Um, and then recently we added that, um, the ability to switch your sound card right on the fly. Yes, that's so cool. Um, so you, you know, like you guys plugged in something to your computer to do these podcasts and that switches and adds more audio yeah. devices. And how do you quickly switch between them? So it's uh, a, yeah, that's handy awesome. Device. Yeah, yeah. I love that.
2: One last thing I'm going to throw at you just as a, a suggestion that you've probably heard from the community before, but maybe not. Jaws Tandem. Have you guys thought about making that a separate product so that the other side that I want to connect to doesn't have to install a forty minute demo of Jaws?
4: I think um, we would like to get to that at one point, and I think you know i'll I'll mention it again to the team. Um, it's all about resources and time sure. and priorities. And you know one of the things that you know, t- you know, twenty years ago, we could ten years ago even, you know we could put more resources on things like that the challenge is that with operating systems um, browsers and um, productivity suite tools changing every six weeks at the maximum <laughs> sometimes even four weeks it's very it's it's labor intensive to do the kinds of things we do and so unfortunately things like that you know it's interesting the question is how do we, you know what's the impact um what percentage of people are we going to impact by doing something like that but it's a great discussion um and I'll I'll bring it up in our next meeting um on Wednesday well I
2: think it'd be great you know we have team viewer but you don't get speech throughput through the remote session same with quick assist from Microsoft like we don't really have a lot of fully accessible remote tools
4: right yeah I think it's worth um chatting with the team and figuring out what we can do excellent
2: that's all I wanted to know as long as we got your
4: one priority in Ryan, we're good to go. Awesome, love it.
1: Wow, Ryan, we had no idea you were such an influencer. Check you out.
4: Yeah. Are we going to see him on TikTok next? I mean,
1: no, TikTok's not accessible.
2: I keep seeing blind people on there, and I installed the app. I'm like, how the hell did they get on there? I can't do squat with that app.
4: I use it. I come on, I use it all the time. All right, we'll talk later.
1: There's even pick, there's even videos of me.
4: Come on, it was name that keystroke. Come
2: on, let's do it. Oh wow, well, I'm going to reach out to you. Got at them. badger on tiktok Look
1: great out. another social media can't we? you wait.
4: betcha <laughs> <laughs> i can, but can just hardly a, wait just, for the you know, little dances from you ryan. You're, you're right. <laughs> so, that, so ryan you don't know that your first video
2: has to be you dancing oh <laughs> uh, we can we can arrange that <laughs> right. yeah we already know the song we already got, know the song. We got a hula. i got a hula hoop in our storage room oh yeah we're good <laughs>
0: We built this city by starship. Oh, I love it! Oh, God, love it!
2: I it's gonna it. happen. It. We're doing it. <laughs> Is that
4: 1987
2: or 88? 1986? We're oh. doing it.
0: We built this city.
2: Yes. Awesome. Oh, love it, Matt. Thank you so much for taking time out of your evening. I so
4: appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thank you all. Thanks, Matt. Good, good Thanks. to connect with you, and I hope to uh, see you at Season. Well, we look forward to it come do the escape room. Yeah, okay. sounds fun. <laughs> Thanks guys. Thanks, Enjoy. Matt. Have Thanks Matt. Day. Take care it was nice meeting everybody.
0: All right. You as well. Take care. So that means if uh, we never see Steve again, we know what happened.
1: We know what happened. He <laughs> didn't get out of
0: the room. He <laughs> didn't get out of the escape room. <laughs> they packed it up before he could
2: get out. That's one thing I've always wanted to try was an escape room. So I'm going to have to go to that accessibleescaperoom.com and check that out.
1: Oh gosh. We're going to lose two now. Absolutely. <laughs>
3: They're hard. I
2: I'm sure they see.
1: are.
3: I, I can where... just see the Freedom Scientific uh, escape or the Vespero escape room. You get into the room and they lock the doors and then they go, all right, if you want to get out, you got to commit to raising your sales by 50% next year. <laughs> 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 Damn it. <laughs> hey,
1: freedom, as I say, freedom isn't free, right?
0: That's right. <laughs> uh, awesome. Dear, wow, that was super geeky. I, have to say, I knew it would be. I knew it would was, be. That was good, though. I'm glad. I'm glad you were able to bring out your your, your inner
2: geek, outer geek. Well, it's definitely some products know. and services that you don't hear a lot about in the community. And so I thought it'd be great to in, inform people about what is available and, you know, kind of what's happening out there when it comes to kiosks. Well, the
0: kiosk is, is really interesting, too, because... I really do feel like that's a that's a great place to be positioned right now because there's going to be more and more and more uh, kiosks going in everywhere. Yeah. I mean, they already are, um, but certainly there's going to be uh, quite a large percentage of those that it's going to be really important for those to be accessible um, and even mandated to be accessible. I mean, I'm kind of shocked that. Um, there there's not more of that of those mandates out there but it doesn't really seem to be it seems to me that it's still up to the business
2: itself to decide whether or not they want their those kiosks to be accessible well that's probably where all standards are are being updated right or or revised and looked at again and you know maybe our accessible canada act will include some of that stuff other than just physical building space in time so sure we can hope
0: we can that's the one thing we can do (laughs) (laughs) that's about it
1: i never want a kiosk to read mcdonald's calories to me ever ever you can skip the
3: calories some things you just don't need to know
2: (laughs) yeah i'm I'm all about that
1: filter feature there you
2: go yeah big mac equals yum like,
1: I... like three thousand calories.
3: That's all right. <laughs> three thousand excellent calories. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly.
2: And you get the double Big Mac. Oh. Mm. yum Yeah. Anywho I <laughs> I'm
0: so aggravated that I can't get a McGriddle uh during all the all day breakfast. Are those still a thing? Yeah, the McGriddles oh, are, are they? great. But you can't get them all day. No, oh, Just the other ones you can? Yeah oh well, um, uh, that's kind of a bummer yeah yeah hmm. hmm. now i really want mcdonald's for dinner <laughs>
3: <laughs> they deliver hey rob you know what i discovered and this is this is actually fairly close to you yeah there is a on uh, uh columbia street okay there's a place called the taco factory oh wait a minute I think
0: and I've heard of this place. they deliver by uber eats really uh-huh. Okay, yes. hold on, I'm writing this down because someone was telling me about this taco factory and I was like, Where is that in New West? I've never heard of this. So, I tacos love tacos. Factory. They were raving about it. Is well, it It's weird? really close to uh, Royal Columbian Hospital. Oh no way. Okay. Taco Yeah, which factory. is good because you know, if the food's bad then <laughs> 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 it's true. I don't know, is my system ready for to- for Mexican food yet? Oh yeah, you got antibodies in you now, you're good to go. Absolutely.
1: Did you lose your taste?
0: No, I didn't. I didn't lose my taste or or the smell or anything like that. Oh,
1: good. Then, yeah.
0: So one thing that's uh, this whole COVID thing, I'm telling you, it's like it's a grab bag full of symptoms and just (laughs) like random what what you happen to get, it seems because everybody's different. And uh, but no, I never lost my my sense of taste uh, or my sense of smell. I, I learned what it what it would be like to have a toothache in every single tooth <laughs> in your head at the same time and what it feels like if your hair hurts you know. so that was cool <laughs> <laughs> but my teeth was fine but uh, here you are on the rebound yeah yeah and the voice the voice completely went i uh
2: it was crazy yeah you so. sound pretty good now Oh yeah, yeah, you should have heard him a week ago. It was yeah. like he, its like he was swallowing glass.
1: Oh, we should have gotten a sound bite of that though. <laughs> I don't even
2: know what that was, was like—a hiss.
1: <sighs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it was pretty rough.
0: Yeah, I don't even remember calling Ryan. Like, <laughs> I don't really remember that. Yeah, but uh, wow. yeah, it was fun. Anyways, um, hey Liz. Hey Rob. Uh, where can people find us?
1: You can find us on the web at atbanter.com.
0: Yay. You, they can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at... Bing. A- Bing. Insert
2: sound clip. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, did, you, did you just forget
2: the drumstick? Did you forget the... Word? No, it's all sitting over there on the fireplace. I just totally slipped my mind. I was too preoccupied about leading the show. So. <laughs> I see. Okay, well, that's fair. That's I was fair. pressured,
0: man. I know, no, no it's fine. You did great. <laughs> you did great. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, listen. Well, uh, cowbell. At atbanter I'll, I'll 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 see what I can do. Maybe I'll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sample a ding exactly. from one of our past shows and work some magic. There you go. Uh,
2: okay. Somebody else go. Yeah, they can also give us a call if they want, toll-free at 1-844-996-4282 with your comment, suggestion, or topic for the show.
3: Crazy. But, you know, if they really want to get somebody, they could also get us through social media on Twitter or Facebook.
2: It's true. Yes, and we have to thank Liz for what she's been throwing up on Facebook and Twitter. Oh, Yeah. Yeah,
1: just gonna get better and better
2: Ooh, we're,
0: just, really?
1: we're, we're just getting we're just getting into a little social media rhythm so i love it stay tuned and, folks stay I, haven't, tuned. I haven't been
3: on either platform in weeks so now i gotta go look
0: <laughs> State, i was actually just on twitter it's it's funny uh one of the trending topics is uh go home convoy yeah it doesn't surprise know, yeah <laughs> 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 oh, God. I love it. Hey, speaking of which, so, uh, not speaking of that, but also, I do have to say, RIP Meatloaf. Yes. We lost yeah. Meatloaf to COVID. Was it COVID yep. that got Was, him? It?
1: was yeah, it, 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 COVID? COVID. it? Was it to COVID? it was COVID. Because
0: he was an anti-vaxxer, right? He was an anti-vaxxer, so really? thanks a lot, anti-vaxx people. You you hoodwinked Meatloaf and got him killed,
2: so I hope you're happy. Hmm. Well, that email address again, if you want to send us your comment, <laughs> is CalBell at, not- at atbanter.com. <laughs>
0: Listen, I've had COVID, so yeah, I'm untouchable. I've antibodies. Nobody. Hey, you, you, are, you know, Rob. Actually, I
3: I would just read an article today, and it said that um uh the uh, there was a big study that that happened in was it Holland? I think it was Holland. Anyways, um they they checked uh the Antibody count for people under various uh, scenarios, and like the gold standard now is uh, double vaxxed and COVID. Oh, sweet! If you if you've been double vaxxed and you've had COVID, you're like the best you can possibly get.
0: I, you know what? That's such good news because uh, you know I got sick on the day that I was supposed to get my booster shot, and then Mm -hmm. I recovered made remade an appointment on the day that i was going to get my my reappointment uh that that new guidance came out where they said oh if you've had if you've been double vaxxed and you've had uh covid then you should uh not get your Wait, booster for three, three, months three months or something yeah so yeah,
3: there's there's no good there's no good reason mm-hmm. for you to get it at this point
0: yeah so it's great i that's i'm ha- thrilled to hear that so I, I should have had you guys over. if We could have had a COVID party. No, <laughs> nope. don't nope. got me. <laughs> no, thank you. Don't want it. Don't, well, listen. They say everybody's going to get it. I don't know. Oh my God! My my, my my
3: son's girlfriend's got it right now. My daughter's boyfriend had it two weeks ago.
2: We've still managed to avoid it. Yeah, i not. We're not getting together with anybody. Like, well, no.
1: or you've been asymptomatic.
3: Yeah, well, it could I mean, be. Well, no, we we tested. We tested. Uh, we, we had uh, antibody tests and we uh, we did them. And
2: no, we got nothing. You we know, can't get I, tested anymore.
1: Did <laughs> you guys hear that uh, that type O blood is sort of like the has the best resistance against COVID? No, and I'm trying to I'm trying to remember the source of that. But I was I was speaking to one of my my medical my medical folks um, and uh they had heard that same thing so and i'm i'm o positive and i i'm sure i've been exposed to covid but i've never been symptomatic ever Hmm. so i don't know i don't know if you guys know your blood types if there's any correlation
0: i'm a negative i don't remember. i don't even know mine it's probably probably something you should know i think i'm red can can you buy a home kit for that (laughs) uh yeah i think you can yeah or you could just go donate blood and they'll tell you that's true yeah good idea what was i gonna say uh r.i.p meatloaf sorry dude
1: Mm.
0: i got sick the same week as meatloaf Uh, but you lived and he died so go figure i know almost like vaccination works like a bat out of hell Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, uh, I think that is going to about do it for us this week. Uh, Thanks everybody for listening in. It's nice to be back and a big thanks of course to Matt for joining us and speaking to everything about JAWS and uh, we will see everybody next week. This
3: podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com, that's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com, or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840, or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.